Well, good morning, Sailorville. If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we continue in our More Like Jesus series. And I'm going to start this morning with a question for you as we get going. 1 Peter chapter 2. Talking about mission today. So here's the question. What is your mission in life? What is your mission in life? Notice I didn't ask, what should your mission be? But if I were to ask those who are closest to you, those closest to you have a full examination on an ongoing basis in your life. If I asked them, what is your mission in life? What would they tell me about you? What would they tell you about me? Those who know me. The question applies to me as well. The Apostle Peter, speaking to followers of Christ, said, you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special possession, that you might proclaim the praises of him, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. Now you are a people of God. Once you did not obtain mercy. Now you've obtained mercy. Amen? About a month ago, I tuned into the Voice of the Martyrs radio program. And I was leaning in within seconds once I heard of the individual whose name was invoked. Some of you will remember back in November of 2018, so we are talking four years ago and with the news cycle quickly gone, of what the secular news outlets described as a recklessly foolish 26-year-old man, a supposed Christian who was killed by a remote, violent people, the Centalese, who are, by the way, the only unreached people group, so far as we know, in the entire world. They live on a very tiny, remote island in the Bay of Bengal, and it's actually under the jurisdiction of India. Fishermen who supposedly were bribed to drop this recklessly foolish man off on the shores of this tiny island said they witnessed him being drugged across the sand after being speared by arrows and buried in the sand by the Sentinelese. The BBC said he was an adventurer Another outlet said he was an explorer, not a missionary. Criticized, they criticized, all of them criticized his fool's errand because if he had been successful, he would have potentially infected the entire population. They don't even know if there's 40 or 200 or more of these Sentinelese. He would have 
infected them with Western pathogens and possibly wiped out the entire tribe. And I have to confess to you, I, I remember this report when it came out, and I read it, and I, and I too thought, well, what a fool. His name was John Chow, and he was no fool. In fact, he was more like his predecessor 60-some years before him, Jim Elliott, who famously said, when he went to reach a people group that were untouched and was murdered in the process along with four of his friends, he famously said in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The news, the news outlets did not tell you or me that John Chow was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. One of his friends said, quote, he was one of the most prepared men I have ever met. Another said, every time I met with him, I'd get in my car and I would pray, Lord, make me more like John. When he was 18 years old, and this was on my mind as I, I prayed over dozens of 18-year-olds that were heading off to camp this morning. He went on his first missions trip, and he sensed God's call to be a missionary. In fact, he wrote, once I said yes to Jesus, I was committed. I was all in. And as for being a reckless fool, John Chow prepared for the Sentinelese for nine years. The news didn't tell us that. He studied linguistics. He was multi-vaccinated so as not to bring any Western pathogens onto that island, fully aware of what could happen otherwise. He took medical training, certified as a wilderness EMT, so that he could apply those skills to those tribal people in his attempt to reach them for Jesus. He even had laser eye surgery so he wouldn't be dependent upon eyewear while he was on the island. Talk about being a reckless fool. Realizing these people had never been reached, he literally echoed the words of Isaiah who said, here am I, send me. John Chow was a man on mission and not for himself. I was reminded of a story I've shared with you in times past of a man that I met in a local restaurant several years ago with my wife. My kids were littler. He was the manager. He came up. He asked us if we wanted to get a special deal for the stuff that was left over. I was, it was just, nobody else was there. So I said, hey, I said, hey, Lynn, what's your, what's your purpose in life? What's your mission? I'll, I mean, I can still see him standing there, uh, shuffling his feet and looking at us and saying, I don't have any purpose. I'm just taking up space. You know, I thought to myself, at least he had the guts to admit it. No mission whatsoever in life. Craig Rochelle, who is a pastor, author, and known for his, his uh, conferences on leadership, said this, everyone ends up somewhere, few people end up somewhere on purpose. Some of you here this morning and watching online, 
have no mission in your life, or the one you're pursuing, if you were to be honest with yourself, is empty, it's temporal, and it's joyless. The words of Augustine of Hippo and his confessions that he wrote in the very first paragraph come to mind when he said to God, he prayed to God, you stir us to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. To Augustine, rest meant purpose. It meant meaning. It meant mission in life. How many of you are here this morning with a restless heart? And you would admit it. Your heart is not at rest. It has no deeper divine meaning. It's not driven by the purposes of God, but something quite otherly. I've had a joyful heart, a troubled heart, and many times a broken heart. But since I've come to Jesus, as God himself is my witness, to my knowledge, I have never had a restless heart. And I'm grateful for that. Do you know your mission? Here's how we stated here at Sailorville Church when it comes to one of our core values on mission. Jesus sent me to live on mission. So I will make disciples as I go. Which, by the way, is, a, is an exposition of sorts of Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and go or really literally as you go or going on your way go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you and lo I'm with you always to the end of the age. In our pursuit of becoming more like Jesus, we must become a people on mission, driven by divine purposes. Jesus, remember, we're more like Jesus, so we, we've got to have him as our ultimate example, right? And Jesus, more than anyone else, was a man on mission. Remember what he said in Luke 19, verse 10? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are what? That's a mission statement there. That's what that is. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 38, Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's go to the next towns so that I could preach there. That's the reason I came. That's a mission statement right there. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, many of you know this verse, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's a mission statement. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's a mission statement. And finally, Jesus said, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Again, a mission statement. And when he died and rose again and appeared to his disciples in the upper room, he said, as the Father, John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, right? Having been sent, he now sends you. He now sends me, who are true followers of him, on mission. Live on mission. To do what? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I quoted it to you, but I want you to see it now. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Notice all these adjectives. A, a people of his own possession. Oh, I love this. Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm sorry. Uh, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Just last week, many of our high schoolers, graduates, and a few leaders went up to Minnesota hung out in Minneapolis with a mission called Engage Global, giving them an opportunity to expand their view of the world by hanging out with various religious groups, including Muslims and Hindus, Hindus and others, and being taught along the same way, along the time. And Rick, Rick Davis, who leads this ministry, had several quotable quotes during that time, the, not the least of which, and the one they all returned with was this one. He said to them, some of the things we say are not incorrect, but incomplete. That's a great line, and that's a true line. Some of the things we say are not incorrect, but incomplete. And he proved it. Listen to this. Complete the statement. Be still and know that I'm God. And I'm, I'm God, right? Isn't that cool? Amen. In fact, one of, our, one of our gals actually had a shirt that said, be still on it. Oh, by the way, as Rick Davis pointed out, that's not the whole quote. I'll be exalted, what? Among the nations. That's the complete quote. The Great Commission is no different. Go and make disciples, Right? Go and make disciples is the next one. Of what? All the nations. A friend of mine years ago who played baseball for Iowa State told the, the, us a story. And I've shared this too, but it's so apropos to this moment. Uh, he was giddy with excitement about playing baseball. And they went down to Norman, Oklahoma. And, uh, and I... They spent the night in a hotel, and he had a dream. It was one of those dreams that you have every once in a while. I was like, you wake up, it's like, oh my goodness, that, I, that was so real. And he got up, and he told his roommate, another baseball player, he said, I can't, I mean, you would not believe this dream I just had. I dreamt the first time I was up to play, I hit the ball right over the first baseman's head, landed just inbounds into the corner, and I ran. I got all the way to second base for a stand-up double. And his friend just smiled. Yeah, 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 we'll see what happens today. 
his first time up the plate, true story, first time up the plate, first pitch, hit the ball over the first baseman's head, landed fair into the corner. He went racing around first, come to second base, hit second base, slapped his hand like this, and I mean, he looked over and his third base coach was going like this. The people in the dugout and his, the other players were yelling. And the only person that wasn't upset was his roommate who was sitting with his legs crossed in the dugout just smiling. He said, I could almost have walked to third base and gotten a triple. Wait for it. But my dream only took me to second. His dream wasn't big enough. And I'm here to say to you this morning, neither are yours. Our commission isn't either. The engaged network by which six churches have come out of Sailorville Church has a great Jerusalem emphasis, and maybe you could even argue Judea. But there is Samaria, and there's the uttermost parts of the earth as well, amen? We're called to reach the nations. For some of you, your mission is just too small. It's good. It's noble even. And perhaps even draws praise from other men. Your kids are busy. Your kids are successful. You're busy. You're successful. You avoid worldly practices like a good Christian. You're healthy and you're fit. You've even planned for your future. You're faithful at church. Here's my question to you. Is yours a man-sized or a God-sized vision? Dream, meaning, purpose, mission. I get that quote from Rick Davis again. I want you to see it. Some of the things we say are not incorrect, but what? What's the next? What? what? Incomplete. What if we just changed one little word in that sentence, in that declarative statement there? And we said this, some of the things we do are not incorrect, but incomplete. How is your mission your mission in proclaiming the excellencies of God that Peter talks about here. And for the balance of our time, follower of Jesus, your mission should be, I'm going to give you three things that your mission should be from this passage. First, driven, driven by your privileges. Did you, did you notice all these adjectives? You are a you're not just a race, a priesthood, or a nation, or a possession. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's possession. Would you agree those are privileges? Amen? Do you delight in those I mean, seriously, do you delight in those privileges? Did you know that 
in so doing, when you delight in the privileges of God in your life, did you know that is the avenue for knowing the will of God in your life? I'm going to say that again. Did you know that as you are driven and delighting in the privileges that God has given you as a follower of Christ, did you know that that's the actual avenue for knowing God's will, the very thing that's so elusive to so many? I mean, this is what the Bible says. Delight yourself in the Lord and what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Talk about incomplete. I'll never forget, I was at a church in South Des Moines about 30-some years ago. I wasn't in the past. I was still a student at the time. And I walked into this church, big church. I walked into the church, and they said, Pat Numbers, Pat Numbers, because I'd been going there for a while, and they knew I was a student of the Bible. Hey, our youth pastor's sick. We need you to go speak to the youth. I go, okay. And they, they took me downstairs. I walked in, and there was just a packed house of youth. And, uh, and, and they go, uh, you're going to talk for about 25 minutes. I said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, well, you know, whatever. I mean, we got to get going here. And, the, and so the lady starts making an announcement. I mean, I mean, for a guy who's never at a loss for words, I literally was standing there up to the moment she introduced me, and I had no idea what I was going to say. I absolutely had no idea what I was going to say. And I was getting a little worried because nothing was coming to me, and she's getting ready to tee me up. And she does. She goes, and now we have a student from Faith Baptist Bible College who's with us. Uh, Mr. Pat Nimmers is here, and he's going to preach to you. And I, I mean, up to this moment, I'm going, I don't know what I'm going to say. And then she said, and remember, kids, before he comes, God promises to give you the desires of your heart. And bang, I knew what I was going to talk about right there. Because she just butchered the passage of Scripture. She never invited me back after this, you can imagine. But I quoted Psalm 37, 3 and 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And how do you do that? How do you delight yourself? You, you, you delight in his privileges and be driven by those privileges. Listen, 1 John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of the love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what you are. It's not yet been revealed what you shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. That's a privilege, isn't it? Is it any wonder that the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, For me to live is Christ to die is gain. Is dying gain to you? I still marvel that we work harder to keep people out of heaven than we do to keep others out of hell. My friend, I won't na name him, that I grew up with, he's very dear to me, not a Christian. Uh, we were hanging out, we do every summer, we're hanging out, and we were on our way to Starbucks, and he was telling me about his plans. He was, he was just planning to retire, and he just retired a couple weeks ago. And he said to me, Pat, I poured a lot of money into my retirement. If I die before I get to Spain, then I'm going to have some words with God. And he said it just like that. Because in that statement, he let me know where his entire meaning of life was wrapped up. 
What did Jesus say? Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can corrupt and thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt or thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart's at. Where's yours, child of God? Do you revel in your privileges and rejoice in your future? This is the reason why Paul said twice to Timothy in, in, in the pastoral epistle, he said, lay hold of eternal life. I love that statement. Lay hold of eternal life. Is dying gain? It should be. God wants us to be mission-driven, not by relevance of the culture, but by the truths of his privileges that he has given to you and me. Secondly, secondly, follower of Jesus, your mission should be to spread, should be spread rather by your proclamation. Look what he says, look what he says. He says it right there, that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Proclaim. That's a beautiful word. It's only used like twice in the whole New Testament. It's a really cool Greek word, but I won't get it. It means, to com it means completely out of, which is a very wooden, completely out of it. It carries the idea of somebody just coming out of their shoes with joy and excitement. Joyfully and publicly announced. The only other time it's used is in Mark 16, 20, when Jesus had risen from the dead. He's like, you better go tell her. Yeah, you're alive. Are you kidding? We're telling everybody. And they did. Couldn't contain it. Rick Davis, again at Engage Global, told those students and leaders, enjoy God's grace. Extend God's glory. That's a great line. Is it yours? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How will they hear unless somebody is sent? Paul writes. If we spread his gospel, we won't be just more people more like Jesus. We'll make more peoples more like Jesus. What a goal. And finally, finally, follower of Jesus. Your mission is beautified by your gratitude. I take that from the very last words of Peter who, said, who reminds you once you were a people without mercy and now you have mercy. Amen? Are you grateful for that? God, thank you. Could you get your mommy and daddy to say the same thing? God loves gratitude. I can prove it to you. Were there not ten that were cleansed? Where are the nine? Only one of you have come back to give glory to God for what I just did? Gratitude is infectious, is it not? When you're really grateful? So just last week, you know, preaching my guts out on obedience here, okay? And, uh, at, and so, but before the week, and during my study, one of my former professors came to my mind. I had not seen him in 30 
six years or talk to him. He was my freshman professor on Bible study. It was a class called Methods of Bible Analysis. I already love God, love the Word of God, love the Gospel, love studying, but this guy really taught me how to know my Bible and study it. I'm forever grateful for Dr. Gilbert Braithwaite. And so I thought about Dr. Braithwaite, and I thought, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder if he's even alive. So you know, I did a little search here, found a couple of dead zones, a couple of seminaries where he had taught, but it was obvious he was even an adjunct professor. He wasn't connected anymore. I wondered, is he even alive? I couldn't find him on social media, nothing. I looked and looked. I finally gave up. Lord, I wanted to say thank you. I wanted to call him and just say thanks. That was it. So after the third service, I'm right here, standing here, doing my howdies. And a woman approaches me. Last week. Three days after I tried to find Dr. Gilbert Braithwaite. And I looked at her. And I said, I know you. Because Dr. Braithwaite's wife, we used to call her the flannel graph lady. That, that dates everybody, doesn't it? But she was a tremendous teacher. Her name was Pamela Braithwaite, and that was her, visiting from North Carolina. She came up, and she goes, there. she says, she says, I, I enjoyed your message, and yada, yada, yada. I go, I can't believe this! This is amazing! I told her all about it. She, oh, she thought it was amazing, too. Connected me with her husband. We had a lengthy conversation and reestablished our friendship. He's in a wheelchair today. Why do, what's this got to do with mission? It has everything to do with it in this sense. If you're grateful, your gratitude will beautify your testimony. It will beautify the gospel. It'll beautify everything we're doing. Because nobody likes a curmudgeon for a Christian. Amen? We should be a grateful people. Do you remember who you were before you were saved? Read Ephesians 2, read Ephesians 4. Be joyful if you'll live your life on mission. You'll tell others how it once was for you and then declare how God saved you. Describe those changes, but more importantly, live out those changes with gratitude to God, and that will beautify God and his gospel. And this is what Paul said to Titus when he said in Titus chapter 2, verse 10, adorning the doctrine of God our Savior. Have you ever read that? Adorning. That's the word we get our word cosmetic from, right? When the barn needs painting. You know how you do that? You don't do that with cosmetics. You do it with your life, your life on mission. That's how you do it. I can't add to the doctrine of God, but I can adorn it, and so can you. And when we adorn the gospel, we beautify our mission. The French philosopher, mathematician, and theologian par excellence, Blaise Pascal, said this. He said, show the lost that Christianity is respectable, then that it is desirable, so that they wish it was true. 
then show them that it is true. So, what is your mission? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the mission that you sent your son on to come and die for us and rise again from the dead to live this amazing life, to do crazy cool things and then take it upon himself, all of our sin. There are people listening in and online who've never accepted this message of the good news of Jesus and they need to do so. And that's you, dear friend, here or watching online. Repent of your sin. Believe the gospel. For those of us who have, Lord, may we be followers, real, real, genuine followers of you, going wherever you call us to go, doing whatever you want us to do, increase our vision for your mission, Lord. And make our dreams God dreams come true for you. We ask in Jesus' name.